Good evening, folks. Good evening, and welcome to Snell Nation. And this is another another uh, special ditty here. And uh, the focus is going to be on the soft bigotry of lower expectations. And what better way to kick this off with a wonderful quote from uh, good old George W. Bush, uh, everyone's favorite Texan, favorite president. <laughs> and uh, there's a little sarcasm there. You'll, you'll pick up on it as, as you listen more and more. But it goes, it goes a little something like this. Now, some say it is unfair to hold disadvantaged children to rigorous standards. I say it's discrimination to require anything less. The soft bigotry of lower expectations. By George W. Bush. So, <laughs> and yes, that that is the best uh, George W. Bush uh, impression you're gonna get, at least at least from me. Uh, now, while he he had quite a few missteps during his uh, his presidency, said a lot of uh, off the wall things, but uh, there's something special um, about this quote, and I believe it it says. It says a lot about where we are now, and everyone has seen or experienced um, a, a plethora of examples of that soft bigotry. And the flavor right now, of course, are uh, us black folks. Pretty much any any time a politician wants to uh, get something pushed through, um, and they want to grease the skids to kind of speed it along or that they want to put the kibosh on something like, I don't know, say voter ID laws, you know, something that's just just common sense. Um, then they can just throw out whatever they want, uh, whatever fear mongering angle they want to play. And with this, they'll just say, you know, oh, this is, you know, uh, Jim Crow 2.0 and, you know, slavery and, and uh, KKK and scary racist terms you know insert here because that's that's just the way they seem to play it here if, if you don't have a platform if you don't have a real argument and you're sitting on one side of the aisle you know just shout out racists and and just a bunch of random nonsense and um it seems to shut down um a lot of people uh especially uh, white conservatives from what i've seen thus far if you just throw you know racists out there or the the claim um, that tends to quiet quite a few people. Of course, I've had people try that on, on me, and I'm I'm black, which is always entertaining. But getting back on topic here, you know, soft bigotry. You know, I of course, you know, I have to go back to uh, set the foundation. I'll go back to my personal experience. So, when I was in high school, all those years ago, in the in the great uh, decade of the nineties. Uh, the late 90s, um, I fell behind on uh, a few credits uh, that I needed for graduation. And um, one in particular, I was short on math credits, so I had to double up on uh, had two math classes. Uh, one was pre-calculus, and I, I can't remember what the other one was. Um, but I remember going to my guidance counselors, and um, I was also doing college tours uh, just here and there and just trying to prepare. 
Um, just trying to think ahead. Of course, I mean, I was born into uh, a poor family, so you got to plan it out. Like, hey, let me make sure I'm doing all the right sports. Let me make sure I can get scholarships. Let me make sure I can, you know, apply for grants. I understand the process, all that good stuff. So I, I go to my guidance counselor, and she sits me down, and she talks to me, and she talks about how, oh well, you know, your your uh, that first semester or the first two, uh, those first two quarters, you'll need to take this additional class to uh, kind of level you off as far as mathematics goes so you don't have any issues come graduation make sure you have at least enough if not more credits um, than what's required so I just said okay that's fine and my then at that point my guidance counselor proceeded to um, tell me how it you know hey I, I know this is this is going to be really difficult for you and that, and that's not based off of anything that she's seen of me in the past um, at the time, my grades were trending up. I was going from being a uh, a CB student to an AB student, and uh, proceeded to tell me, "Hey, you know, it's it's okay if you if you had you know if you you know get a C, you know, or all you really need is you know a D here, or you just you know." And it was all about just, "Hey, it's it's okay if you screw up. It's okay if you fail." You know, and don't you don't have to don't don't push yourself too hard. You know, just do the bare minimum. You know, just settle for the, the mediocre. It's okay. You know, that, that that's the vibe I was getting. And even at, you know, the, the age of 16, I was thrown. I was thrown back. It's like, wow, you're a guidance counselor? <laughs> and I dealt with two, and one one was white and one was black. And they were both giving me the same, like, eh, it's all right. You know, if you just, <laughs> if you don't, if you can't cut it, you know, and we understand. And it's, it's just that, that, making up those excuses and even at, I was 16 and I could see through that and like that doesn't make any sense should you want me to do my best and try my best to achieve and succeed and all that good stuff and you know but I was lucky enough that I had a few good coaches that were very involved you know my mother was very involved and she was she hated C's and she would constantly push us and if she saw a C it was pretty much like an F in her eyes it would just be you know do you want to be average do you want to be just like everyone else well keep getting C's and you'll be just like everyone else you know you should strive to be the best strive to be better all that good stuff but we've had this shift in culture and this is something that's been going on for decades where there's this constant just you know treatment that is very belittling very insulting where somebody is just patting you on the head. Oh, it's okay. It's not your fault, black man. It's, you know, it, it's uh, slavery. Yeah, that's what it is. It's you're, you're still feeling the those systemic issues and the systemic oppression and the systemic systemic. You know, they just they just that's great that you know how to you know you know how to use the word systemic, but it, that's not that's not correct. But okay, whatever. And so many people have accepted that. Um, a lot of young people have too, and we saw it all throughout. Uh, well, twenty twenty was was a great lesson. You know, we watched a lot of young, um, and from what I saw, a lot of young male minorities, a lot of young uh, black and Hispanic, and some white as well. Just just running out and just just destroying things, destroying statues, destroying anything that you know just destroying anything that just stands in their way to the point where there was an incident where they uh, vandalized a Jimi Hendrix uh, statue. 
they vandalized. There was like a, a Frederick Douglass statue they knocked over. And because they pretty much, they had no idea who he was, but they looked at the statue and thought it was someone white. So they just knocked it over. And then you have the media, especially CNN. I mean, all of them are, are terrible. But CNN, you know what, they're mostly peaceful this, mostly peaceful that, you know, slightly fiery, mostly peaceful destruction. And they come behind that and they'll just, they'll bring someone on, they'll bring some rando person from Black Lives Matter or wherever, and they'll talk about, like, nothing about accountability, nothing about responsibility, nothing about unity or harmony or doing the right thing. It's just all about, you know, soft bigotry. Hey, you know, it's it's all right. It's okay. You know, black man, it's, you've been through so much, you know, I, I know you just burned down this auto zone <laughs> impacting the lives of, you know, two dozen people that, that work in that store that live locally within your neighborhood. You know, it's okay that you destroyed a whole block worth of local businesses, people that are probably your neighbors, you know, because You've just been so oppressed in the year 2020. It's just been so, it's just so hard for you to make it in America with the white man with his foot on your neck. And, you know, I just, it's okay. And a pat on the head, you know, then you have like the, like I mentioned before, the voter ID laws, uh, like in, in Georgia, you know, it's, it's, it's the next wave of, of Jim Crow, you know, slavery is alive and well and blah, da, 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 you know, and you have these reverends spouting that crap. And then you have, you know, the, the politicians, uh, mostly on the left, falling behind that. And they just say these things. And it's like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. How are people believing this? Why aren't enough people challenging this nonsense? Why is it that someone can make a statement like that and no one raises their hand and says, what are you talking about? <laughs> Jim Crow 2.0 in 2020 because we want someone to be identified using a state ID card to cast a vote and elect people that will vote on laws that impact all of our lives. And that's racist. And no one will challenge that. And then they'll say it's racist. Well, well, how is it racist? You know, how, why is it racist to, to want, you know, uh, minorities to be identified using a state ID? And <laughs> they won't really get hardcore into the specifics. And they hope that you won't ask that question. But if you do, then they'll just go on a rant and they'll start talking about the 1950s and things that happened right before the Civil Rights Movement and right before the Voting Rights Act and Civil Rights Act, 1964, 1965. And, and then most of the time, these anchors and just individuals that are asking them these questions, they'll just let that slide. And it's like, well, yeah, but this isn't 1964 or 1965 or 1955 or 1935. This is 2020. And might I add, we, we had a black president and the dude was reelected. I mean, I don't I don't understand. How is that still a thing that someone can just say and keep a straight face? And it's just, hey, well, what what, what can we do here? You know, just our 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 poor defenseless, you know, bl uh, blacks out there that, you know, they're, they're just not smart enough to figure out how to go to a BMV or DMV or whatever and get an ID and they're just too poor to just fork over $20 and get the card. Oh, wait, 
Georgia has a program where you can get it for free. You can get the ID card for free. And no one will throw that at these politicians when they, when they go on these little nonsensical rants that lead to nowhere. <laughs> and just the, the usual pandering and everything, but more, more that soft bigotry. We see it in our education system. We see it with uh, college admissions. And it's gotten so bad with college, college admissions that now Asian students are starting to complain because they're having a hard time getting into uh, certain Ivy League schools because they'll have a, you know, some of these schools, like say Harvard or Stanford or Yale or, or whatever, you know, they'll have kind of a bar set and the focus will be on getting as many black students in as they can pretty much because it's, it's a good talking point. It makes the dean look good. It makes the school look good. You know, they can take pictures of them, walk around campus and add it to their uh, to their newsletter or whatever that they they push out. And meanwhile, the story of the Asian student or Asian students that'll have a SAT score that's maybe 200 or 300 points higher will still struggle to get into the same school as a black student that, say, had a 900 or, or a 1000. So, and no one talks about that. But then it still goes back to, well, affirmative action, you know, that, that, that concept is still necessary because, you know, those poor black, they're just not, you know, they just, they just can't get a, get a break here. And the system is working against them. It's systemic oppression through education. You know, that's, they just, you know, just take systemic whatever. And then you just, just tack that on there and bada boom, bada bing, there you go. Then if you go that, that we're talking college, let's let's go back to, to high school. There was another this interesting uh, research article here, um, and it's titled Racial Disparities in School. School based disciplinary actions are associated with county level rates of racial bias. And in here, they proceed to explain why um, Suspension rates seem to be higher for minorities, and they focus on blacks. Um, and this was this was from a few years ago, and then there was this push to combat this systemic oppression. And what happened? It of course blew up in their faces because then you had these unruly kids that learned that oh, well everyone just feels sorry for me, so I can be just as awful as I want to. And I can distract the other students. I can be a complete nuisance. I can get in the fights. You know, I, I can spray graffiti. I can do what, whatever. And I'll be given a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth chance. Meanwhile, everyone else, they, they get the hammer. <laughs> you know, like right out of one strike and you're out. And people think that that's, that's okay. That that won't create any type of animus between the different students or any, any uh, discri real discrimination you know, or, or prejudice, because people will look at that and see, wait a minute, why is this person being treated uh, better than me? Why is it this person has worse grades than me, has a, has a terrible attitude, has not really devoted anything to the school? Meanwhile, I play sports, I have good grades, I do all these things, and I make one mistake, and then I get slammed. You know, so there's that. Then we have the criminal justice system itself, where people talk about you know, well, the incarceration rate is, you know, it's through the roof. 
you know, as far as minorities, especially, especially blacks. So obviously systemic oppression, it's in the institution, institutionalized racism. That's another one that they love to throw out there. It's obviously not that person's fault for the choices they made, even though life is pretty much the sum of the choices that you make, but he has no responsibility. He has no agency. He's black. Racism, obviously. Slavery, come on. (laughs) And they just, you know, pat you on the head like you're a toddler or whatever. And then just give you free stuff or just use you to to get them some access to certain things or a uh, some budget approval or something. And that's it. And people just move on. And every time they throw out all these random statistics to show these disparities, they conveniently leave out certain groups. Um, a lot of times they'll leave Asians out of the equation, Asian immigrants and their children. And then they'll also leave out African immigrants because those just completely blow through this terrible, this narrative, um, especially with African immigrants, because, okay, if it's if it's systemic, if it's slavery, if it's racism, well, how does the system and those who operate within the system know the difference between uh, a Nigerian immigrant that came over or somebody, just a, a black American like myself that's just born in New York or born here? And then when you look at the data, then it's just, okay, well, wait a minute, why is it that, you know, they're starting more businesses when they come over here than black Americans that were born here. Why is it that they're um, succeeding in higher education? More of them are graduating with bachelor's degrees, master's degrees, PhDs, and, and moving on to start a practice or start whatever. And they're outperforming black Americans. They're outperforming us. Well, we can't, we can't risk having a conversation that's focused on culture. It has to only be about race. So then you go back to the pat on the head. Hey, it's it's not your fault. It's someone else's fault. And you know what? I'm going to help you. Big daddy, big daddy government. I'm here. All you have to do is just keep voting for me and my friends and, you know, and the taxpayers, you know, we'll just we'll just go into those slush funds and pull the money we need. And, you know, we'll give you we'll promise you the world. We'll give you everything you need. You know, just depend on us. And of course, that dependency translates into big government, which translates into more money and power and influence. So, yeah. So that's just just a few thoughts I had on soft bigotry, the soft bigotry of lower expectations. And it is an absolute plague in this country. And it's taken a, a culture that already had incredibly high levels of toxicity and just just turned it up to 9,000. It just, just cranked it up. And it just keeps getting cranked up more and more. And we still refuse to address or even acknowledge, you know, core issues and ask relevant questions. You know, going back to even like this voter ID law thing, how can we have these, these senators and, and uh, just these random and the, the race hustlers as well. Sometimes they're one and the same. But these people that will make these comments about Jim Crow 2.0 and no one will call them out on it. No one will challenge them. That's one of the biggest issues of the 2020s. The fact that people can make these outlandish statements 
and that's it. They just kind of, eh. And if someone black says it, then, well, then <laughs> that's it, you know, because that that's the culture we're in right now. Well, well, somebody white or Asian or Indian can't speak up and say that, or they'll be labeled as a racist, and they might lose their job or lose their business or lose their um, their viewership or listenership or whatever, you know. And then if you have somebody black call them out on it, they'll be labeled as, uh, let me see, what are some of my favorites? You know, I've, I've had uh, Coon and uh, Race Trader and um, Internalized Racist. That was a new one. I had, to, I had to write that one down when someone threw that one at me. Because I was thinking, what, what does that mean? Uh, all right, whatever. <laughs> but it, it's it's phenomenal. It, it really is. And we are way past the, you know, the, the point of no return. I mean, what we can do now is try to make sure that we educate ourselves. And when I say we, I mean, I mean, we, the people, I mean, the people that are really, that are aware of what's happening, that want to make a positive change, and they want to do it the right way. And when I say the right way, well, let's just say the, the well, let's go to the wrong way. <laughs> and it's going to, so the wrong way would be what happened on uh, January the 6th, where a bunch of people just grouped together around the Capitol and just start screaming and, and yelling and, and waving signs and pretty much just sitting around for the inevitable chaos that ensued, which, I mean, Congress, I mean, I'm sure they loved every minute of that because they can just, I mean, they're already using that as the, the lightning rod, as the reason for every crazy, uh, you know, Patriot Act 2.0 bit of legislation they want to get pushed through. They just go right back to that uh, that moment in time. But it's about, you know, being smart, you know, calculating your choices and making making your time count. So that I'll save some of that for uh, for another discussion on, on goal setting, um, which I'll do in a, in a couple of days here and I'll try to bring someone else on. But those are just a few of my thoughts. Um, but I'm curious about what uh, everyone out there thinks um, when it comes to soft bigotry. And now I focused on uh, the soft bigotry of lower expectations for one particular uh, racial group. I believe it, it, it goes, of course, it goes across all borders. Um, but what do you think about soft bigotry and how it impacts the different racial groups or just the, uh, the country as a whole? Uh, feel free to shoot me a message. Um, and if you catch me on Apple Podcasts, Google Pod- Podcasts, please feel free to uh, leave me a review. And just let me know what your thoughts are just on the way this is structured. And it'll impact just what the next moves are going forward uh, as far as the the formatting and and, and such. I just want to make sure that what's being uh, produced here is quality content that's that's relevant um, because that's the whole point of this. The whole point of this is to sift through, and I even have it in the description of the podcast, sift through all the, uh, the radical mundane distractions and you know, sift through the mud and, and pull out the topics and and the uh, the issues that really matter and impact your life. So, with that said, thanks a lot for stopping by. Snell Nation out. Mm-hmm.